0: back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year in Golden State. DeRozan right to the hole and he ties the game at 90 DeRozan's got 20 to lead the way the Spurs. Trying to make him make that shot from the outside. DeRozan pulls up from the elbow, got it! <laughs> Timeout! Golden State Spurs lead by two! Inbound to Green. Going quickly, he quickly, skips it in the corner. Robinson nearly lost it.
1: Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Graham, what's good? We are back with another episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, I'd like to take a moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms that we are hosted on. You can also leave us a message there. You can reach us directly at clutch at gmail.com. Tag us and contact us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's been a minute, it's been a minute, seems like, you know, we go through it every now and then, but we're back, and I'm glad that there's been a healthy, a healthy slate of events that have taken place since our last time convening, so we got some good things to talk about. Um, how's everything on your end, brother? Everything good to go, man, no issues. All right, that's good to hear, it's always good to see. Um, where do you want to start, man? Where do you want to start? You want to you wanna talk about, let's talk about home, let's talk about home. Knicks
0: had a good game last night. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen, the Knicks are the two different teams that play in two different halves. Me and it's the starters, which is one of the worst starting fives in the NBA. And the bench, which is like the arguably the best bench in the NBA. And they're one of the worst third quarter teams because the Knicks will either make a lead collapse, but still go into halftime with the lead. Just so going into the fourth quarter, then down. In some games, they've been down double digits uh, because of the stir quarter woes. But they've also had their bench who has kept them in games and some cases have won the game, which in the case of last night, the bench comes alive. As always, the bench does their part you got the starters who unfortunately have not been able to uh really muster a good a good statistical stat line at all when it comes to that um so it's just one of those things except when the good thing about the Knicks last night though they held Indian and Indiana Pacers to only 10 points in the fourth quarter so that right there was a difference maker that's a nice
1: thing 100 points
0: yeah, and this is like an old rivalry game. And now the team really shoot the shot the three really well. I mean, you got to figure that the, the Pacers were eight, only made eight threes, eight out of 37, and the Knicks made 11 out of 34. So you told talking about, you know, 19 to 70, 71 combined. I guess mean, a lot of bricks, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, like I, I said, you had...
1: Early era, 30% from the three-point line shooting that used to support... And make it viable that teams shooting a whole bunch of threes wouldn't be able to, you know, sustain being a championship caliber team. When you shoot that poorly, that's when the three-point shot actually is a detriment to your offense. Whereas most teams now, or not most teams, but teams that are successful doing that are um, shooting in the mid to high 30s. So, yeah, both teams shooting closer to below 30% stand for uh, (laughs) That's crazy. But um I've always felt, and we've spoken to this, teams that can win ugly last longer. And that's, that's... what Milwaukee proved last season in the finals. They proved that they could play those ugly games against a team that had been, you know, built a game plan against them to come out on top. They did that to um to Phoenix and that led them to an NBA title. So there's something to be said about winning those games that, you know, nobody expects you to win or the odds don't really point to your favor of you being the better team simply because you're not playing that well offensively. So that old mantra of defense winning championships and the fact that you guys have got arguably one of the best defensive minds in the game of basketball and Tom Thibodeau running that team, it it looks like it's a perfect fit. I do believe, like you pointed to, that the Knicks' starting five is a huge problem. I don't know exactly how you go about remedying that with a team like this because part of what was their starting lineup is now part of their bench. Todd Gibson, you know, he told the line during the beginning of the season when there was no Mitchell Robinson and they were waiting for him to come back. Mm. Mitchell Robinson is not really an offensive threat per se, from a standalone perspective. Is he a yeah. threat to score? Obviously, but is he going to create his own baskets? No. So you've got a guy like Mitchell Robinson who needs someone to create for him. you got R.J. Barrett, who's still kind of finding his way within that offense. And yeah. then you've also got Julius Randle. You've got two guys who play on literally the same side of the court. And then you've got Evan Fournier, who's a shooter. And shooters really only have two temperatures. They're either hot or they're cold. Mm-hmm. And Fournier does have a little off the bounce game, but considering you got Kemba Walker at the point, you're not trotting Evan Fournier out there to run isolation plays. No, um, days is over. I think I've covered their five. That's their starting five, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: There are, uh, but the, the problems also with in that starting five are Tim's has to figure out and let the starters know who's the point guard because there's too many times where Julius Randall. Likes to walk the ball up very slow. Takes his he's time with, man. huh? He
1: got He got that permission within their offense. Like, but that's he's, what I mean. He's it... A secondary offense that allows for it to be triggered by Julius Randle bringing the ball up the court. You know how kind of like you know, when we were, you know, when we had our secondary when we mm-hmm. played, you know. John Jay. If someone other than Marco was bringing up the ball, then we knew what other actions to go into just based off of who was crossing half court. The Knicks do the same thing. I just think that those ancillary plays that they run when Randall has the ball, to for lack of a better word, they have. yeah, they
0: um, and, and the fact that they don't, Randall doesn't move the ball well at all. I mean, yes, he gets he might be the league leader on the team and assists, but when you look at the flow of the game. He's like I said he's kind of he's he's the ball, stopper, the ball stopper. You know so that's the problem. And he takes he holds the ball, massages it. You know, unfortunately he gets that when when Mellow was in New York, that treatment at Mellow, they felt like Mellow was the ball stopper and the ball that moved with him and it just stuck. And he takes ill advised shots at times. Well Randall what Randall likes to do is when he finally gives the ball up, he likes to run over to whoever he passes it to to try to set a pick to create a mismatch to get the ball right back. It's like, nah, sometimes you got to pass and cut the opposite way. You know, if you ever watch him play, and again, like I said, you have to figure out who your starters, who's going to be a poker. If Kimber Walker's going to bring the ball up, let Kimball Walker bring the ball up. Now, if it's a broken play, yeah, Randall go ahead and push it, but the reality is Randall don't really need to push the ball. Randall, his strengths are the free throw line and below. You know, mm-hmm. to, he needs to develop that start getting hot from there, start seeing the confidence and seeing the ball go in from inside the paint or around the elbow extended. Mm -hmm. And then he can start stepping out and shooting threes. There's been a lot of plays where he has been trying to settle for the three to even close off the quarter or just last second shots or like five seconds on the shot clock. And you sitting at the three point line trying to take, you know, a a poor shot, you know, so you got to make better decisions. But, I mean, you know, enough with their starters. Like I said, they got, unfortunately, one of the worst starting five that, unfortunately, they're not guarding – the starters aren't guarding people. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have a bench that consists of Obi Toppin, Taj Gibson, Derrick Rose, uh, mm-hmm. Alex Burks, Emmanuel Quickly, who come in the game – and actually, there was a statistic the other night that I saw where they have the best – Plus minus, those five are the best plus minus in the NBA. You know, so they're positive like eighty five or something like that, something crazy. But when you you but see when they come in, they click, they gel. Everybody knows their role. Nobody's trying to do go above and beyond. When guys are when guys are hot, they get the ball to the person. They create. Guys are cutting without the basketball. It's almost like it's a totally different team that's running a totally different set of plays. And you're like, well, wait a second, why is? They n- are. They yeah, are. so which is crazy, though, because it's like, uh, hello, starting five or hello, Tibbs. Let the starters run this offense because if you mm-hmm. if you're starting five can get this same flow and everybody gets the ball and everybody scores and, and people with somebody gets hot, they feed the hot hand. Why that would benefit everybody, you know, because this times with the Tibbs has put some of the he's taken some of the pieces of those bench five out the game mm-hmm. and, and inserted a starter. And you can see the chemistry start dropping down. But when he puts some of those guys back in, boom, it's back up through the roof. Like the energy is different, especially when you're at the home in the garden. You are mm-hmm. those guys are fan favorites. Those guys that come in the bench, Derek Rose has been I mean, that that dude he's an NBA fan favorite, not just an NBA a uh, New York. He's, fan he's a yes. global fan so, favorite.
1: The world so, success of Derek Rose. Um, that's, sorry I cut you off, but you know, I can't yeah, get yeah, you no. so much. Nick as a fan. I have to give the, the, the contrary opinion. Um, and I have to, in and, and this segment, it's called Smart Told You So. I told you that the number one problem the Knicks were going to have is that Derrick Rose was going to be their best player, but you can't start him. Yeah. So they run a Derrick Rose-centric offense, which Tom Thibodeau has been running for how many years of his career?
0: Exactly. Pretty much the whole time. Since he's known so, Derrick Rose...
1: So, it's pretty much as long as Tom, as Tom Thibodeau has had a team, he's had Derrick Rose as one of his best players or players that yeah. he's been running off of. So, he literally just copied and pasted the Derrick Rose centric Bulls offense, minus all of the going to the rim, above the rim action that Derrick Rose can probably still do, but just knows better than. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Because yeah. I see Derrick Rose bounce. And if you know people that can jump, you know that Derrick Rose can still jump. He's just choosing not to. He's, he's yeah, definitely yeah, he, he's, he's, he's,
0: he's trying himself, to be mindful of, like you said, the, the impact on the landing.
1: Seventh to ninth gear, and only goes into that extra when when it's absolutely necessary, and that's the mark of an athlete who's fully aware of his mind and body and health. But mm-hmm. to get back to it. Because, like you said, they cannot run the team. With the players that start, you have this dilemma. There's no version of Derek Rose in the New York Knicks starting five where you can just, all right, well, fine. That same play we just ran for Derek Rose, why don't we just run it for R.J. Barrett? He's young. He's fast. He can get by his guy. He doesn't finish the same way. Same thing for Kimball Walker. Kimber Walker is more of a pull-up jump shooter than he is a pull-up in the middle of driving to the basket finisher that Derrick Rose is. Derrick Rose has probably one of the most unique finishing packages as a point guard that you'll ever see in the league. This guy came into the league shooting floaters from 15 feet out off the backboard going to his right. This guy came into the league shooting one-legged floaters going to the basket from the free throw line. There were a lot of things that he was doing that other players would do by accident that he was doing on purpose because of his natural gifts and talent. It's very difficult to replicate that. Kemba Walker and and he's looked good this year. I can't take anything away from it. It looks like he's got his bounce, his zip. I've seen a couple times where I thought guys were going to turn into statues off of some of the moves that Kemba was doing to them. Like he caught somebody went in and out last night, and I mm. didn't even move.
0: Yeah, it was um,
1: Sabonis. Yeah, he flat foot in and out of Sabonis so bad that Sabonis didn't move. He just in and out and went around him. And Sabonis was just still literally standing in the same place he was when Kimba initiated the move. It was mind-blowing. I was like, Kimba's look like he's going to be Kimba. And that's all great and dandy for the Knicks. I really do think this is going to be a matter of them having to find the version of the starting Knicks offense that's going to work for the starting Knicks. That's really all it boils down to. This is a Tom Thibodeau issue. I don't think it's a player issue. I don't think it's all of the other things that you brought up. I think those all play into it, but it all trickles down from the coaching. So I've always worried that there are two issues that come with Tom Thibodeau. He's not very creative offensively, and he tends to wear his players down. Now it looks like he's got to be on taking better care of, you know, his veterans and not, you know, wearing them out too much. I haven't really looked at the minutes count, so I could be wrong. Um,
0: The minutes are down for – well, I mean – Julius Randle's still like 35, almost 36 minutes, and, and Randle's about
1: 33. Yeah, but again, so... Was, time, I, mean, I would expect Randle and Barrett to be, you know, minutes leaders on that team. Yeah, like, exactly, of course. But well, that's a two-time. So, I mean, yes. yes. So, if, if that's the case, then that's within my expectations. Now, do they need to be on the floor for 38 minutes? I, I, again, it really has to be looked at from an analytical perspective of how efficient players are when you go into plus 36. Because most Mm -hmm. evaluated stat formats that they use are based on the 36-minute threshold. So Mm -hmm. that's really something that, you know, we can explore at another time. But the Knicks are right around where I said and where you said or where we thought they would be. But now it's time to go into my segment that I call Bet You Didn't See That Coming. So to start the season, we both predicted that the Bulls should be a playoff contender, the Bulls are yeah. number two in the East. Back mm-hmm. then, you said the Washington Wizards was looking real musty. Yo. <laughs> what you Yo. got to say now? Talk to the people. Who was right so far? Listen, listen. Even, <laughs> even, even, heroes,
0: even heroes make mishaps. But again, ah! the season... That was a good one. That's how you defend yourself. That's what was but right, also, but also, you gotta think about this: the season isn't one in thirteen games.
1: So absolutely, absolutely you know not. Let, but let, I mean, listen. But let's I see look at flowers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to... I won't get the whole bouquet, but I get a couple of flowers for telling you Washington got something, man. They got now, something. You,
0: I didn't realize that these former Lakers were going to be extremely the hungry to show. The rest of the NBA and world that it they was they wasn't using them, using them putting them in winning positions because you have a Washington Wizards team who has a bunch of players who got chips on their shoulders. People written Spencer Dinwiddie off. You know they they wrote off Montrez Harrell. I mean he's
1: averaging he really like 18, a eighteen and years. Who, who were happy or would have been happy to be in. LA. Let's be clear. Spencer Dinwiddie is a Californian. He, he was hoping. He put it out there. He was like, you know, if the numbers is right, this is why he was still signing for the Brooklyn Nets and going into free agency. He was like, you know, if a team like the Clippers or the Lakers came with XYZ number, I, I would be willing to give them that discount because of where they at. That's home. He didn't make it to LA. LA opted for the Westbrook solution, and in doing so, they basically Ooh. had to, you know, give away what they did. We all knew what Trez was going to do, if given the opportunity. And Trez is back to being Trez. He's that yeah. guy who he's not going to play defense, but he's going to give you 20 and 10. He's going to be a funny, awful yeah, 20 and,
0: and 10. He's and at, he's at 18 and 9 right now coming off the bench, which is basically along aligns line with the six-man uh, award that he won a couple of years ago. That's If he continues to play at the rate he's going, he's going to be the leading scorer off the bench
1: almost, or one of the Kyle Kuzma. I don't know what's gotten him. He's he's in a team rebounding. Because he doesn't have the LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Los Angeles Lakers fan. He's got to do this to be a good player hanging over him. He's free. And certain players need that freedom to excel, to rediscover themselves he always had a green light in los angeles but he was uncomfortable with it you yeah. you're being enabled by some of the best players in the world but if you're not comfortable with them giving you the keys you're not going to drive correctly same thing like yeah. the first time we learned how to drive well at least for me you know my dad put me in a jeep cherokee and he sat next to me and he said all right we're gonna go some places," and he took me on the parkway now I wasn't used to the fact that that model G Cherokee this is the what the wagon version where you you know you tap the wheel the car goes all the way to that direction. I was used to the coupes where you know you have to literally steer with the wheel and you know the car moves with you. He's got full control and he's showing it and it just goes to show what comfort does to an NBA player. We talk about it all the time like it's not always about the player where he's at it's about the situation he's in. Being a reflection of how good he plays. And that's exactly what the Washington Wizards have. Like you said, you got you added what? Latavius Caldwell Pope, who's a plug and play guy. He's not even getting a lot of great minutes, but he's giving you great production with the minutes that he gives you because he's comfortable with who he is. Kyle Kuzma, like you said, chip on his shoulder. Trez, chip on the shoulder. (laughs) Dimwick, basically being, you know, hung out to drive by the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And you got all that with Bradley Bill, a guy who everybody's saying is top five most disgruntled star in the NBA. They're winning games when Bradley Bill don't play. Yeah, I noticed that. That was crazy. But again, like you said,
0: it goes back to the guys with the chip on the shoulder. The fact that Kyle Kuzma is averaging over nine rebounds a game, that says a lot. You know what I mean? Because it, it was a game, I think it was a couple of nights, a couple of games ago, we had like 17 rebounds. It's like so, again, guys are finding ways to win that they necessarily felt they weren't in a position to do so on their former teams. So, now that they're in these, this is the role. And almost like most people felt like prior to coming into the season, Washington Wizards, that's where you go to get your – your disappear. It's right the, – the, you're, you're basically a team before – you're on a roster before you go to the G League type thing or you get out of the NBA. Like, there's no direction, but the fact that they've been winning – they got the new the new coach uh, Wes Unso, Jr. and they've been rolling, man. Like I said, big big ups to them, man. Like I said, it's only 13 mm-hmm. games in the season,
1: but you know and more
0: politics.
1: Kyle, Kyle Kuzma is scoring less as a wizard, rebounding more as a wizard, and shooting better as a wizard. Yeah, I. It's the uh, when he post Laker effect, right? When he played for the Lakers. He was one of the worst at his position, spot-up three-point shooters. Yeah. Now he's shooting for 35, 38, 37%. He's a career 34% shooter from three, which means that prior to Washington in L.A., he never really shot better than 35%. Now he's shooting 37%. Again, so much can be said about a situation versus the actual player. And to continue that energy, let's continue to look at what else is going on in the East. How me. is it that the Cleveland Cavaliers are so competitive? I haven't watched the Cavaliers game yet to know. Can you give me any insight into what you're seeing going on in, in Cleveland?
0: Well, let me tell you this. When they beat the Knicks the other night, Ricky Rubio must have had on a pair of j- game one Jordans from Michael Jordan. Oh and yeah. It, he must have found a like Mike shoes. Um mm-hmm. because this dude played as if he's uh, as if Mike he had on a um He the best player on no. no He played as if they said, yo, we're gonna have to give you $200 million if you show up. And he showed out because when they beat the Knicks that night, that man missed like he missed six shots. He had thirty-seven points. Dude was hitting step back threes, step back mm-hmm. and ones. Mm-hmm. The man did all of that coming off the bench and had ten assists. Mm-hmm. So it goes to show you. That. you always forget
1: about Rubio. He's not old. He's NBA old. Yeah, He's NBA that. old. He's thirty-one years
0: old. He came in his he's league the, in the same the league time as Steph.
1: Steph.
0: Yeah, exactly. Curry. Mm-hmm. Thirteen. Curry. He came, with, he, he came came in the league, league same year as
1: Curry
0: in two thousand nine. Correct. Right.
1: Minnesota.
0: Minnesota yeah. was the team that had the two point guards. They drafted right before Steph. Right. right. He was one of them. They drafted Johnny
1: Flynn. Well, right before Steph. So yeah. yeah man, I, I, Flynn. I hope he's doing well. I was a fan of him. I mean, I knew that the NBA wasn't going to be the place where he was going to blossom because I just – I watched him play in college and I was just like, his game and, and where he got drafted and then what Minnesota did, just like, I don't know. It just felt like Minnesota was just – they were in a mental funk when they, they did that draft in 2009. But a lot of teams were because, again, if they don't do what they did, Steph Curry probably doesn't make it to Golden State. Because they took two people no, of off the board before him. Yeah, back to Curry, back. They were really high both of Um, But, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time. I mean, again, like I said, I told you that I saw Chicago Bulls being in the top five with the type of team they put together. They're holding the water. I'm a big Billy Donovan supporter. I feel like when you put the right players, guys who are selfless, he coached back-to-back national title teams with Joaquin Noah as his best player. Say it for what it was. Joe King Noah was the best player on those Florida teams, followed by Al Horford. Al Horford and Corey Brewer. And Corey Brewer, a career NBA journeyman who was a plug-and-play 3&D guy, almost like a template for what a 3&D guy is in the NBA, and two guards who we probably – I can't remember their names, but they, mm-hmm. they, they, broke they didn't turn over the ball and they made a lot of spots. I mean, they're, they're the, the two guards. Though. I don't want to say – it. I don't want to get racial, but – their two-guard from Florida made a lot of shots. He was a great shooter. So I don't want to take anything away from that, but the point was he played Billy Donovan managed a team of selfless guys. And yep. if you look at the composition of that Chicago Bulls roster, you've got a lot of guys who have been different versions of the man. So they're all ready to give up a little something to the next person for the overall good of that team. And it's beautiful to see. You got Alex Caruso, who did a wonderful, amazing interview with J.J. Reddick, explaining how he wound up in Chicago and part of how, how Alonso did. Now, mind you, there's an investigation into tampering about that whole situation that we're going to have to wait to see what the NBA comes out with because both the Alonzo ball transaction and the Kyle Lowry transactions are being investigated. But that all season that the Bulls put together, remember, you got a guy like DeMar DeRozan who basically, even though he went to San Antonio because he's a professional, he was kind of like – like that's kind of like a prison for him, if you will, because there's not really much – he played basketball, but he was kind of like in the phantom zone because the San Antonio situation is one where they were trying to be competitive, but their roster just didn't allow them to actually be competitive, and he had to learn how to modify his game outside of that Toronto environment. He's brought all of that knowledge that he, that he accumulated in San Antonio to Chicago and he's the fifth leading scorer in the NBA. You you're the new guy on the team and Zach Levine allows you or not allows you but is right underneath you in, in scoring and nobody's unhappy. So mm. I think Chicago's yeah. got a nice thing. Hopefully when Vucevic returns from you know the COVID test situation and, and, and getting that out, then you know, they continue to go on the run they have. The Chicago the city of Chicago deserves while the Knicks are ascending to also ascend too. I feel like the NBA is starting to reposition itself with those teams that we're used to being where they were, getting back to where they were. You know, um, it's unfortunate. I don't know what's going on in Indiana. I hope they're able to get it together. Same thing with Atlanta, because I liked what they were bringing to the table last year. Indiana being on the fringe of being a playoff team in spite of their coach. And Atlanta making it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals because of their coach. But now it seems mm-hmm. like they've kind of regressed. Milwaukee is outside of the um, playoff picture right now currently. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got a lot of guys hurt, so you expect them to bounce back. But, again, we always speak to, I always speak to, that season after you win a championship is usually a reflection of the franchise as a whole. So I'm not really surprised. Milwaukee mm-hmm. yeah, got, got it, in the bottom championship, and everybody was, was like, oh, well – All things considered, they should be in position to be a dynasty. I'm like, come on now, bro. No. These guys are are what? A foot? uh, A toenail? Like all these Brooklyn Nets fans like to say? A toenail away from not even being in the finals because of that shot that Kevin Durant took?
0: Yeah, and an injury to Kyrie. Right.
1: So there's so many things that went perfectly for that Milwaukee championship that I kind of could, from the outside looking in, being objective, know that the same way everything went perfectly right for them is the same way things could go not perfectly right for them now. So now here you are. You got a team where a couple of your guys, you know, they had extended off seasons because they went to the Olympics and so on and so forth. Middleton is just now coming back from COVID, but he also went to the Olympics. You know, same thing with, with, with Jamil Holiday. Like, it's Giannis. It's Giannis until everybody gets back. And then when everybody gets back, they all have to get all back on the same team. So it's going to be interesting to see how the East plays itself out over the course of this year, because I don't think anybody with realistic expectations is going to say Washington is going to be the number one seed come playoff. Mm-hmm. So we do expect them to, I don't want to say regress to the mean, but I don't expect them to hold the 40 at number one for the entire year.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, you also bad. got to figure they're, they're at number one for half a game. So, you know the I mean? but yeah. they've been team team. number
1: one over is Brooklyn and Brooklyn again without overemphasizing anything because Brooklyn is just really good, they're doing it without Kyrie. Yeah. So Lord forbid they figure out a way to get Kyrie back on the team and they're already a top three team. Um I feel like we shouldn't even speak about Philadelphia. Do you want to say anything about
0: Philadelphia? No, nah, I mean, the whole Ben Simmons issue is, it seems like it's still lingering on. I, I think they have backed themselves into a, a put themselves in a self-imposed timeout. Like, you did this to yourself. You know what you said in the, going into offseason. You, you spoke about played. it all. Yeah, so I mean, exactly. We so, it's, it's exactly and, now, and now you have Joel Embiid who's out also for a health and safety protocol. They're going to, they'll lose a four straight. I mean, yeah, I mean, the reality is starting to set in that you need to figure out how to make a decision as soon as possible. Um, I think, just moving on from them, the only other... You know, Miami's always in the mix. You know, Charlotte is in the young We said team. Miami was going to bounce
1: back. We said Miami was going to bounce back. Miami yeah. and again, they
0: picked up, they pick. up another player who resembles their style of play. or well, two players, Kyle Lowry, and they picked up P.J. Tucker. So that allowed Jimmy Butler... To also rest on defense because PJ, PJ Tucker is going to try to pick up the best player, to, you know. So it allows, and again, that's where I think the walkie's going to miss out on PJ Tucker is he would allow Giannis to play help defense, which Giannis is a better help defender than an all ball defender. So now, if they ever have to face KD, you can't Gracie and Allen. That's that's baby fool right there, KD. Yeah, you know I mean that's easy.
1: You know, it it, it sounded good.
0: Steven Shendo is not even back yet. And Covington, if he's not hitting threes, he ain't stopping nobody. Right.
1: So, you you gave um, up a defender for, you know what I mean? But I think that situation wasn't really a give up. I think that was more so PJ got a ring. Yeah, but I think you could have brought
0: PJ back. I mean, I don't think, again, I think – that was going to. That's, uh, that's a move sure.
1: that's going to hurt them. I mean, that's a move that's going to hurt them, in that's my a opinion. Non-move. I think they didn't pursue PJ to bring him back, but then also keep in mind, Milwaukee is a city that not a lot of, not a lot of players willingly go to. So I'm not yeah, surprised and he, that went,
0: and he went to Miami because a lot of times during the rest of the last season, we all thought. Don't want to say we all thought, but. There were a lot of rumors about him going to Miami anyway. So
1: here he is. He's, he's, he's <laughs> it's great. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing, absolutely. About that, right? There's nothing about that fit where it's like, I mean, there was never a shock when, when the headline came across PJ Tucker signs with Miami. So
0: yeah, it yeah, all yeah. makes
1: sense. Sure. Miami was able to assemble the guys that they wanted. Um, it's not a surprise that a guy like Edu Dollar just kind of like snuck out of the back door of Miami because to me, he never fit there and he's back in Golden State. And that's a perfect transition to us talking about Mm -hmm. the number one team in the West.
0: Yeah, the the Golden State. The number one team in the league.
1: Correct. Um, Do you see this as a full gold situation? Or do you see this as being legitimate now that they played a couple of teams with with respectable records? Because they were basically playing the Washington Generals to open up the season. You know, they played the Lakers who were... Mm -hmm dumps the fire right now. Even though they're in playoff contention, the Lakers are just not right. And obviously, the, a lot of that has to do with LeBron not being healthy, but they've got so much to figure out with that team that they put together on the fly that is really not going to be in anybody's best interest to say, oh, well, this team beat the Lakers. You know, well, beating the Lakers is going to mean a lot more in March, April, March, April, May than it's going to mean in October and November.
0: Listen, Go the Lakers are... Yeah, the play. Okay, let's, let's go to the Golden State. Golden State is what they've been able to do when you have one of the top, one of the top five players in Steph Curry, who is the best shooter, and who is allowed to continue to shoot. And they set up a system around him where, as another season where some of those JV style players that we didn't really know much about. You allow those guys to get confidence and you allow those guys to spend a whole nother year of watching Steph and how he shoots. Cause those guys have come back into this season. Some of those Jordan pools, the, uh, Steph's brother-in-law, um, Lee, Damian Lee, these cats have been shooting with Steph. And now their confidence levels are through the roof because it's to the point where people are looking at Jordan pool, like, yo, this, they got something there with him. This dude's averaging over 17 points a game. He's the 3rd leading scorer on the team. And most people mm-hmm. wouldn't know who he was. You know what I'm saying? And, again, Steph's, Steph's brother-in-law is averaging over 11 points a game. You got Andrew Wiggins averaging 18. Like, these guys. Right, who? That were, who? Andrew. Oh. Who? This, who? this dude, Wiggins. Wigging out. No, but don't worry. Give him time. He's going to mess things up. That's his, that's his MO. Um.
1: Yeah, like he did against the Revenge game in Minnesota, right, where he messed up and posterized the life out of Carl Anthony Towns twice, right? He messed up so, again. Yeah,
0: right? it's, it's Minnesota a game Minnesota.
1: where H-Ring had forty some odd points. He, he he wound up having the most impactful performance with thirty five. That Man, Andrew Wiggins
0: with thirteen what you don't games like? in, with thirteen games into a guy who's made a career of fools' gold. He's supposed to boy for What's fools' gold. The fools' gold is you goal? thought... He- Okay, okay, let's see. See, now yeah, yeah. yes, get it out, was. get it out. And the thing is, you projected him to be a lot better of a player when he was drafted number one. Well, you did, you projected him to be a better player than he was. I didn't. No, I didn't. Man, I hard. wasn't even okay. doing
1: this before.
0: doesn't matter. That we, we've talked for <laughs> over 20, 20 years, like you know what I'm saying? We've been friends okay. since as kids, so yeah, Andrew Wiggins <laughs> is you know, your man, so. Um, but yeah, either way, listen, Golden State, Yeah, right? either way, Golden State situation is promising because every with the way they run their offense is a free-flowing offense where basically the ball doesn't stop moving, and you have a guy like Steph who can make defense extend to 35 feet, but now you also have these other players are starting to hit threes consistently as well. And you still have a a, 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 a high and extremely high basketball player in Draymond Green who will get all who, – who will set the great picks that, that you know, the, the – the the not showing up on the stat sheet type things, but all of those guys are willing to do the same exact thing. When you have teams like that and also have a guy like Gary Payton Jr., I mean Gary Payton II coming in and electrifying. This dude's averaging, you know, I mean – He's only averaging six, a few points, six points, game. but but his again, P-E-R that six
1: point is one two. He's second on the team in player efficiency.
0: Yeah, but also second. remember his impact on a defensive end, and we've all oh, basically, when we see him score, that's all highlights, right? But you notice mm-hmm. defensively when he's in the game, he's pretty much on the team's best player, whoever's on the court at that time. whether He's, he's on the primary guy, they're the primary ball handler. So whether it be game willard, whether it be no matter you know, who no that ball guy ball ball. is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, that He's also there. gives. See, but they also this is Golden State being smart with saving Steph Curry. Steph Curry doesn't have to match up. So defensively, Steph is resting, so that way he can go out there and get you twenty eight plus points a game. Sometimes hit forty five. Sometimes hit more than that in a game because he is not playing. His defense is just ah. I'll get a hand up. It's not pressuring anybody. He he's not going against the best player on the team. You know,
1: it to match, match what would be his equivalent offensively on defense. Yeah, and so honestly, I don't really, you know, I don't find. I think it's genius. I mean, we oh, all nice. used to. We all used to. Revel in the fact that Michael Jordan was all-team defense every year that he ever played. But, you know, a lot of those seasons, he had Scottie Pippen guarding the guy who could have gave him 50 back. Oh, no, facts. And, and that's what most and it, people... It's a, it's a different energy. and it It's a different energy. I mean, same thing goes for Kobe. They always went out and got Kobe a wing stopper, during, especially during the secondary phase of him going to go chase championships. First it was Trevor Ariza. Then it was Ron Artest. Because mm-hmm. you have these players who are good offensively, great offensively, who if you overextend what they have to do on the defensive end, you lose too much. Yeah. Steph Curry has never really been a negative defender. He's just never been a super plus defender. So if you can mm-hmm. keep him in that range where he's not a detriment to your team, kinda of like what they do with Trey Young. Yeah. You know, you, you're basically hiding a guy. And and most teams that are able to win championships usually have to hide or, sh- or or tilt their defense to protect someone. So protecting yeah. arguably the world's greatest shooter
0: makes perfect yeah. sense. Exactly. Like, so he can do his job and be the world's greatest shooter. Like, you know what I mean? So that right there in a, in a nutshell is what teams don't realize that they have to do to stop Steph. Well, slow. They have to do to somewhat interrupt Steph's madness that he he, that he plays with because again this guy can go i mean he he's to the point where he's shooting threes and not even looking at the basket he's talking to the crowd before it goes in and that's not a oh he did that once and once no he does that like almost
1: on a nightly basis he's interacting with somebody mid shot exactly which is yes when he started the the way when he started the wave in 2016 is when he started doing it. Remember he started taking the, the corner threes and like mm-hmm. messing with the other team's bench? Yep. And that became the wave. Then he moved it to, all right, I'm going to mess with the other team's bench and everybody on the score table. Then it became, all right, I'm going to mess with the other team's bench, everybody on the score table, and the fans. Now it's just like, tell me it's not going in so I can give you all seven. Right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. out of, it's out of control. It's out of control. Like, light-skinned arrogance is at an all-time high beginning this do. And, you know, thanks. Thanks, Steph. <laughs> thanks. That's really yeah. what we need is a whole bunch of light-skinned dudes on the court taking shots they don't have no reason to take while I'm just trying to get some exercise. That's what we need, Steph. Thanks a lot, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, again, when you have that type of system set up and then you have those other players that, you know, were kind of a little, a little reluctant to shoot last year, now they have that type of mm-hmm. confidence. Plus, mm-hmm. you're getting more open shots because guys now have to start doubling for Steph or counting for Steph. Boom, you know it, it, it's just a confidence thing. You see how if you can shoot the ball a little bit, but your confidence is high, you're you're going to show out in a on a system like uh, Golden State. You know, if you play hard, you can shoot. There, there's a, that system is set up for you to do well. Now, I mean, moving on, you got Phoenix
1: who won what nine straight. Who Phoenix, you know. I, feel like, I feel like Phoenix is kind of like a team where we can speak on them, but we also have to leave them alone because they're defending Western Conference champion. So them, and they pretty much they brought the house back. So outside of that DeAndre Ayton situation, I think that where they are is where they're going to be. They, they've proven that they're for real. Um, a lot well, of anytime you have Chris to-
0: Paul healthy and playing well,
1: that team is going to be better. Yeah, I'm more so surprised with Dallas being where they are than, than anything. I didn't, I didn't anticipate that Jason Kidd would be able to, you know, keep them together well enough for them to be as competitive as they are. Chris Stapps is actually playing decent in the games that he's been able to play. He's only played in eight of the 13 games, but he's giving you 19 eight boards,
0: yeah, the other the other night, he had 30, 30, what was it? He had like 30, 32 points against Denver. He had like 32 and 11, and
1: they and they won. He's leading that team in player efficiency from the starters' perspective, so mm-hmm. big up to Jason Kidd, you know? We, we've yeah. always given him his slack, but we've also given him his credit for being a quality leader. I mean, we were all kind of like when I say we, I'm always speaking of you and I. We were all we were both kind of like thrown by what happened with Dallas in the offseason, You know, Rick Carlisle basically grabbed the parachute and said, exactly. "Off Indiana I go." For real. And then no. uh, Donnie Nelson was like, "I'm retired." <laughs> like, and you know, and Dallas had come from dealing with the organizational issues that they had with Mark Cuban having to restructure the organization because of you know their own dilemmas. There was a lot going on in Dallas. I thought that Dallas was going to need more time. To see them at 9-4, 13 games in, kudos to them. I mean, I don't know if that's going to – again, practice are 13 I mean, out of 82 games,
0: in. this is a lot. could happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But at this point in the game, at this point in the season, we're at 1-8. one, eighth. one eighth through it, and, you know, you do have to give credit in those spurts. And I think that Dallas deserves some credit for, you know, being able to put it together. They're they're six and one at home. You know, they're they're undefeated in their division. They've only lost one game in the conference. Their points Mm -hmm. per game and their opponent's points per game is right around the same range. So I think they're going to be a fun competitive team for the rest of the season to watch. But now let's talk about you know what views from the clutch is all about. The nastiness. Him the nuggets. Are you mad at Jokic?
0: Oh, for what already oh, did to Morris? I mean, nah, I ain't mad at him. I I didn't get hit in the back. I mean, you can't hit
1: me and expect Huh? But from your your perspective as a human being and basketball player, do you see what Jokic did as wrong?
0: No, because I mean, how could you? You hit me and you ran. I caught
1: up to you. It is what it is. Okay. I just find a lot of it. I, I wanted to spend this last segment really drilling into this and whatever else you might want to talk about. Well, t- we're I talking about the like-
0: Lakers being terrible without LeBron. In Westbrook, averaging almost a triple-double in turnovers. We can talk about that too, you want to go to Denver. You want to go to Denver. It's okay.
1: Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's circle to the Lakers. We'll give the Lakers five minutes, and then we'll spend the last 10 on Denver. And 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 no, and
0: we're, we're, we, no, we we need the Lakers. The Lakers need a lot more than five minutes. Don't act like we could graze, graze over the fact that they've been getting blown out or they've been getting disrespected at home. And if it wasn't for Carmelo Anthony, they might not have eight wins, They might only have like four. Let's do this, let's do
1: this, let's do this, Captain Sharpie. The Knicks are six in the Eastern Conference, right? The Knicks don't have two right. of the top three players. I, I'm, no, no, no. Yes or no question. The, the Knicks are sixth in the Eastern Conference, right? Yes. And their record is eight and six, right? Yes. The Lakers are eight and seven and they're seventh. What are you doing?
0: It's two different things. See, that's why you can't just go by records. You're talking about the teams and the projection of where the teams are supposed to finish. Well, 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 what was the Lakers projection?
1: The, I told Lakers, you at the beginning of the season. The Lakers first 20 games were gonna be a dumpster fire because you got all of these guys, and anytime LeBron has done this, remember the nine and eight Miami Heat. Yeah, the Heaters were nine and eight. There's a
0: difference. There's a difference. LeBron hasn't been wasn't out during that time frame. Agreed. LeBron's out so that means it's
1: more of an easy pass.
0: Why are we no. talking about them? So no, we have to talk about them because they look gone. Because they're plus five hundred. No, they look god-awful without LeBron because when you look at the teams that they lost to, when you lose to Oklahoma City... They lost to
1: Oklahoma City with LeBron on the court.
0: Twice. LeBron wasn't on the court the second time?
1: Was he? That was the beginning of the season. I don't think LeBron got hurt until... I think the Oklahoma City game might have been the one where he said, you know what, maybe there is something wrong with me and decided to, to chill out. Okay, let's, let's, let's recap. Well, so you, they lost let's see, to Oklahoma City okay. the first time, 123, 115 on October 27th. The second time they lost to Oklahoma City was on November the 4th. Let me pull up the box score from that game to see. LeBron's only played right. six
0: games. So think about it like that. LeBron's only played six games.
1: You right, so, did not play that game. He did not play that game. So he didn't play the second game. And that was the game where, I'm sorry, I watched the ball break down and they showed how Westbrook and the Westbrookian way pretty much handed the game back to um, Oklahoma City. The Lakers are what I expected them to be. They're a veteran team who goes out and off of basketball IQ and, and being veterans, can get a lead on anybody. But then you have a collection of guys who, have flaws, and most of them are defensive. And they get exposed because they all fall into the habits that don't go into the way that they're being coached. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to teach old dogs new tricks. And the same goes for these older NBA players. It's going to take them time. That's why you saw Anthony Davis ready to punch Dwight Howard into another galaxy over a mm. defensive communication issue early in the season because. They both should be on the same page. They want a championship together, playing the Frank Vogel way. But here mm-hmm. they are misreading coverages because of everything that's going on around them. Um, the Lakers created hey, let's, a us of
0: also comp- Let's also think about two out of the last three games at home. You got blown out. You got disrespected by the Timberwolves. Uh, you beat, but, you know, the Spurs are rebuilding. And you got disrespected – Last night against the Bulls, which the 121 103 score was worse than that. So, absolutely, he he he
1: looked phenomenal.
0: He looked, no, no, he he definitely, they definitely need him. Um, and they're definitely going to need him going forward. They need, Mm -hmm. they're going to need
1: all their weapons. Let's talk about that. You know, the Lakers aren't healthy, so we're beating a team that's literally hurt and wounded. And, and asking why they aren't performing to expectations.
0: That's not no, you're a Lakers fan, so you're you're very yeah, Lakers fan. So you um you're you're very you're very error, error said. on the
1: side of the Bulls, Lakers or? the Lakers the Lakers front run because of talent and then lose because they're not together. I'm saying it. It's true. They front run, get these leads versus teams that honestly start to tip off and all oh, like, oh my gosh, that's really Carmelo Anthony over there. That's really Westbrook over there. And then the fandom deteriorates by the time you get to halftime and the coaches have gotten these players that were starstruck at the beginning to wake up and say, hey, yeah, you are in love with all these guys and you grew up trying to be like them, but right now you're better than them. Go out and play hard and prove it. Oklahoma City did that. Minnesota's doing that. All of these other teams are going to do that because the Lakers are going to continue to be the, the prize on the mantle for whoever they play against. They are chased, and the players that they have on their current roster, they're currently not living up to. Listen, I don't like Kent Bazemore. really yo, don't. I don't see how. I don't see. I, yeah, yeah.
0: How is That's he allowed cool. to wear the purple and gold and start? Hey, you've you've had what, a lot, you've, what, had a lot of, you've had a lot of players that, that's questionable like that. So let's not go about the purple and gold. How is he allowed to wear them? They've had a lot of you guys have Lakers and no, a no. no. How is he
1: allowed to wear the purple and gold and start? It's a it's is a it's a it's a sentence that includes and he can be a Laker, that. I'm but I'm he needs to that. be the fifteenth Laker, not the the first five. They've had some. They, he's okay, not. Look he's into he's that. Not, that. I've had. Sort of looking,
0: no, you're right. Listen, Kent Bazemore is not the answer. And the fact that you got him starting is bad.
1: Right. It's criminal. Look at that. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. The Lakers it's have, Like I said, the Lakers have a lot of things to figure out. A lot of them, a lot of those issues are playing themselves out in front of our eyes. My thing is this. Their ceiling with a team that they have still being one game over 500 is a lot better than some of these other teams who are going to have to fight a lot harder. To climb out and of that
0: situation. But that's, but that's but the thing about it is what we're giving time to the Lakers is, is for one, you got LeBron James, so you know when he comes back, it it's in theory should be better. Statistically it's shown throughout LeBron's career, it's better when him playing. You got mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, who the sad part about Anthony well. da- No, but the sad part about Anthony Davis, which has always been an issue with him, is health. Um, cool. you have West you have Westbrook who is out there doing God's know what with um sad part about it, there's a meme out there which makes sense is it says Westbrook has the shooting capabilities of Ben Simmons, but the shooting confidence of Steph Curry. How is this possible? Correct.
1: So which Okay, is- but let's also revisit another thing since we're gonna do the whole let's pick on Rush thing. No, no, not, not on
0: Rod- no, no, I, no, no, it's, it's the whole saying, team. In general,
1: that's the thing that everybody does. Look, I didn't like the acquisition. I spoke to why I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It's common basketball IQ why I didn't like it. I don't think a guy who doesn't space the floor effectively belongs playing next to LeBron, especially if they're one of the perennial league leaders in turnovers. So you're giving yes. him not only the option to take shots he can't make, but you're also giving him the option to give the ball away at a rate that he doesn't get it back. Russell Westbrook is not a plus one defender. Never has been. He's a he's no, a guy who, who often, listen, there's a reason why Paul George said that Dane Millard took a bad shot to end that series versus Oklahoma City. Why? Because Russell Westbrook wasn't guarding him. Russell Westbrook, if you go back and watch that series, was so quick to do the rock the cradle every time he posted up somebody and scored on them. Well, you're not going after your matchup. Your, your matchup, matchup is court. being guarded. Your matchup is being guarded by somebody else. That's a reflection of where you are as a defender. Yeah, yeah. Now, That's mind cool. you, cool. switch. But if you go back and look at that series and most of the series that Russell Westbrook has played in for the money, he's often not guarding somebody. Who did he Yo. guard when 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 the heat and the and the Thunder played for a championship. What he mm-hmm. was guarding Mario Chalmers while doing Wade. Yeah, yeah. Exactly know what I'm trying yeah, to say. Absolutely. No, I, so I, you I totally guys got a guy like Russell Westbrook Who, who's reading the charge. The three plays that he runs really well, they've incorporated them into the NBA into the, the Lakers offense. A pick and roll that allows him to throw a lob to a big. They do that a lot. Mm-hmm. The the double pick that allows him to come around and take that. Westbrook jumper from just above the free throw line. They do that a lot. The Spain pick and roll that allows him to dissect the defense and get that wild one foot layup that he takes, where he either curls himself underneath the rim to use it as a secondary, you know, mm-hmm. secondary way of the defender off, or he finishes strong left. Yep. They have those players. But then there are a lot of plays and a lot of opportunities for Russell Westbrook to unfortunately give the ball away. You know that Westbrook at this age, he's 32 or 33, whatever the case may be. He's in his 30s. There's a lot of habits that he has where sometimes he's just not as careful with the ball as you would need someone who has the ball as much as he does to be. His usage rate is extremely high. When you have a high usage rate, like a, even Chris Paul brought his usage down, not to lower his turnovers. But just for the sake of being able to make the defense do more to defend him than just have to worry about standing in front of him guarding him. Russell mm. Westbrook is not going to give you premium three-point shooting. You add Rajon Rondo to the mix, another great mm. decision maker, but you can't play them both together. You said that and the last extended, time. Yeah,
0: and the coach and the coach has been playing them together, which, yeah. Which
1: is befuddling because it's like, y'all might as well be playing two centers that can dribble. That's essentially no, no, no. what they are. It's not this, and, and, and here's the scary thing: Rondo's a better three-point shooter uh, right now. Right no, now, I, if I, 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 I get it. So, what we have here in LA is we have a team that's not fully formed because some of the parts that matter the most are not available to, to suit up, and we don't have Trevor Ariza, who would have been. an an excellent role model wing defender to be able to allow this whole Trent, this whole Kip Bazemore thing to not be so prominent in in our faces. You have Kendrick Nunn who would have been able to spell Westbrook and give you those point guard shooting splits that you need when you have a guy like LeBron out there. I see what the the 10 guys for the Lakers is going to be and who's on the fringe. But I have to be quiet and let it play out. And right now, they're still above 500. They're still in the playoff run. So they can bide a little bit of time because the teams in the West haven't really sorted themselves out. And it's not really a matter of LA being a top three team by the time the season's in, it matters that they're a top three team as a team when the season ends, if that makes sense. And I think mm-hmm. the same thing goes for the Knicks. I don't really care to see the Knicks make this dramatic improvement where they're the number one team in the East, because we all know that Atlanta's done that before. There have been plenty of teams. Milwaukee did it two years in a row, and didn't go to the finals. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you finish in the regular season. It matters how your team looks and plays when you get into the postseason. So the Lakers mm-hmm. got time. I don't want to say time is an excuse, but time is an option that they have to really make the best usage of, especially with the age that they have on that roster, because this isn't a running back team. If this team falls, then there's going to be a nuclear bomb that goes off in the state center, especially considering the fact that the Clippers, without Kawhi, are where they are right now. So big time shout out and salute to the Clippers for being able to hold it down with the chicken, because they're playing with house money. I didn't pick them to be even talking about the playoffs. And they got a better record than the Lakers. They're right underneath Utah. Utah was the number one seed in the West last year. Nobody wants to talk about why Utah isn't where they are, because guess what? Nobody cares. It's Utah. And that's the unfortunate way that the NBA politics roll. We're, we're spending all this time talking about the Lakers, but in reality, what is it? Just getting That's why we spend spending time... Right. Oh that's why. That's what it was I, Okay fair yeah, We, we open with the, Knicks. You, we with the Knicks We'll close with the Lakers But I do want to speak to the joking situation because again I felt like That is something that in principle About what we stand for as Views from the Clutch needs to be Relayed to our fellow listeners To take out Into their own lives when you go out and play Basketball Look People are going to do dirty stuff on the basketball court It's a given. That's just the nature of competitive energy. Sometimes some people play with a chip on their shoulder and they do things outside of the lines. It's a gray area that exists in life and especially within sports. What you don't do and what I don't respect and what I know you don't respect is the walk away cowardry. And that's my issue with what Morris did. You stand on what you do if you feel a certain type of way. You don't hit somebody and then turn your back and play the victim, and that's where mm. I think the that's where I think Morris went wrong. If you go ahead and do what you did, and you face the music, I don't think Jokic charges at you. I think Jokic approaches you, like yo, what's really good. But because you turned your back, like huh, I got away with it. Mm-hmm. You opened yourself up to that opportunity. So what I'm saying to y'all out there that are listening, if y'all are listening to this part, don't hide your hand. If that's not the life lesson you can take from this, then you won't take any lesson from it. Don't hide your hand. Own your music. Because when somebody decides to make you own your music, you can't play victim. There's no audience for it. And all this clownery that's going on with, you know, His brother hopping on Twitter and saying, oh, with his back turned. Well, maybe you should be talking to your brother about turning his back. Because what type of idiot does that? Oh, I'm going to go ahead and commit a cheap shot and then I'm going to turn my back because what? Mm -hmm. Nothing should happen to you? You guys are NBA veterans going on, what, 11, 12 seasons? Y'all responsible for some of, like, the most hilarious and dirty plays for each season. Like, come on, it's uh, it's two years ago, his brother was in New York, bopping somebody in the head in a preseason game. (laughs) In a Knicks uniform. (laughs) Like, they know what the shits are. They're with them. Y'all from Philly. Mm -hmm. Y'all are not two kids that don't don't know better. Y'all know exactly what it is. When there's smoke, there's fire. You don't don't create smoke and then walk away and then be surprised when somebody comes to put the hose out on you. Because that's what Jokic did. Now, could he have done it in a different way? Absolutely. Did he have to go charging at him like, you know, like a wheelbarrow? No. But I'm not going to criticize any man for choosing what method he wants to retaliate when you decide to initiate contact and then turn your back. That's the secondary disrespect that warrants and invites whatever happens next. Yeah, and that was all I wanted to say. That was all I really wanted to speak to because I felt like once oh, I man, got so that you out, didn't, you, you didn't, didn't need, need you didn't need didn't ten minutes, minutes for that. I got it because you needed to get your Lakers <laughs> hat out. you, know, you, like, you needed I to like, resonate with the land. fact that we're one game beneath y'all, one one position in the standings beneath y'all, but it's totally different. Yeah, y'all to out and out. y'all not right. So what's y'all excuse? Let's,
0: let's, we, well, we don't have. We don't have two of the top three players in the NBA. We don't have, you know, arguably four. Y'all got the least NBA most important cool
1: players. Y'all got the least most important. Like cool
0: yeah, got wow. MVP goals. Wow. So you wow. You got MVP votes. Yeah, Yo, you probably got as many MVP votes no. as the broad Really? Really? You got wow. That's that's, <laughs> a, that's that's a reach. you reaching right now.
1: You, you're reaching. you reaching. <laughs> reaching like I don't want to play defense. Reaching. Uh, yeah I I mean I agree I agree the Lakers definitely need to figure it out because their name on the marquee means more than the Knicks anyway so they definitely need to you know show up better because they, they they're branded and expected to play a level of basketball that you know the Knicks can't reach you know which is actually being entertaining on both sides so you know Fans only want to watch so many entertaining hustle plays in the garden before, you know, they get bored and want to see somebody make a three, a dunk, or some type of snazzy play. So there's definitely got to be some balance to those two marquee teams being where they are in their respective conferences. So let's hope that the Knicks are able to figure out that starting five offense that they need. And here's to the Lakers' getting it together as a basketball team and a franchise. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, it's a pleasure to have you guys come and join us. If you would like to do so, you can do it